I think we better get started with this show before anything more happens. Good golly gracious. It's going crazy out there. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, at least it's Friday, right? So you weekly workday people, it is your day. Weekend coming up. Have a good time. Have fun. Don't, don't, don't forget to go to church on Sunday. Sunday, church. Sunday, church. Some people go on Saturday, right? Like when we went to the Messianic Church, we went on Saturdays, which is the Sabbath day, technically speaking. With that being said, my name is Mike, and the show is called Let's Talk. I'm your host, and this episode is called, <laughs> it's called nothing. It's called Document 6923, so how you like that? We're going to get technical, a, a little AI stuff here, yeah. I got so busy editing and adding and taking away for the show because, my gosh, hey, baby. Hey. Oh, you're doing show. Yeah, all right. Um, so, anyways, amazing thing is I actually got this done. It, today is Thursday, so it will be posted for all you early risers who like to listen to the show early in the morning. I'm an early morning fellow myself. I love it in the summertime because the um, sun comes up earlier. So, yeah. <laughs> And, of course, it stays out later, too, but, you know, that was cool when we were kids because, you know, you got to come home when the streetlights come on. The streetlights come on when it gets dark. Well, in the summertime, you know, another hour or so out in a good time. Anyway, enough babbling. Document 6923, I guess, is going to be the name of the show because I forgot to name it. So with that being said, I'll start with our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I almost don't even know what to say, Lord. We got news coming out of the our government. It's not good news. We got some news coming here, Lord, that, well, it's not good news. I guess the only good news, Lord, is, is you. You, the good news, the gospel. We give you thanks for that. Because with all this commotion and goings on and people yelling and screaming and hating each other and slandering each other and every other thing each other, the sins committed against our children and our elderly, not to mention the sins committed against everybody else by these just devils. They're a bunch of devils, Lord. They're just demons, totally possessed. They're so focused on their hatred and their, their, their evil that they don't, they don't have any concept, Lord, of you anymore. They've seared their conscience, Lord, most definite. And it's sad, but it's their choice. And my choice, Lord, and hopefully all our listeners, is you, Lord, because you chose us first. Yet while we were still sinners, Lord Jesus, you died for us. We can never say thank you enough. No prayers enough. But I thank you, thank you, thank you. And may this time your, your spirit that lives within me, Lord, be with my tongue, my heart, and my mind, that the words I speak today are words of life and truth and understanding. And I pray this, Father God, in your name, Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ the Savior, amen, the Messiah, amen. Sorry, my Hebrew's rusty. <laughs> So the first, uh, well, let me say the scripture, and then 
I got to give you a headline. I, I didn't do anything with it to put it into the show, really, because I'm already, <laughs> you know, 27 pages of notes. So I will get to it later, probably next week. Well, abso absolutely next week. But we'll get started with our first scripture. It starts with, it's in Acts chapter 13, and it starts with verse 36, and it says this. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep, and he was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. So this is Paul writing. David, of course, is King David, and he speaks of the fact that King David died, and he was laid unto his fathers, which means he was buried, and he saw corruption. In other words, you could go and dig up the grave and his bones would be there. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Of course, that's Jesus Christ, right? And this very man that Paul is preaching to the people, he's letting them know this is how or this is who, through whom who, you get forgiveness of sins. And every one of us that believes we're justified from all things. Doesn't mean it makes sin right or still to do. What it means is when we pray and ask for forgiveness and mercy because we have made a mistake and sinned, hopefully not nobody's doing it intentionally, but we're freed from that. Unlike under the law of Moses, under the law of Moses, you can sacrifice every goat, ram, pig, sheep, whatever, and you still had sin. Still had sin. Only through Jesus Christ are we completely washed clean of our sin. And God is faithful to forgive us when we ask for it. Now, this scripture, the, which was spoken of in the prophets, I looked it up. It's Habakkuk. And it's chapter 1, verse 5, and it says this, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Basically, the work that he worked was <laughs> sending his son into the world. You know, that was God entering the world, God coming in the flesh. And believe you me, when the evil ones and so forth in the unseen realm saw that, they thought for sure this is our chance. If we can kill this guy off, we win. And so when the crucifixion occurred, <laughs> little did they know, that's <laughs> just what needed to happen. Because three days after the burial, Jesus was no longer among the dead. That's just amazing. So, the bad news, and this is, this is really bad, because like I said in the prayer, the, the, the magnitude and the level of hatred is beyond understanding and belief. It's, it's absolutely from the demons. 
And don't ever let there be any doubt in your mind about that. These people are completely and totally possessed. They have no, no life in them whatsoever. None. None. They're void of any, any, any true spirit or anything to have to do with God. They are 110% ruled and controlled by the evil one and his minions and those in that domain. And, I, you know, there's no other way to put it. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted in federal court in connection with his retention of classified document, government documents, we'll clarify that, um, after leaving the White House. Now, interest, of course, you know, Trump, it's a witch hunt and everything else like that, which I completely believe. This is, this is, and so Trump made it known, right? He griped about the corrupt Biden administration, and he calls this whole thing the boxes hoax. But he griped that Biden, Biden had been charged despite the fact that a multitude of boxes with government documents, some of which were classified, were found at locations where Biden lived or worked as a private citizen. Oh, but that's different. We're going after Trump because he lied about it. Are you freaking serious? Look at the lie has nothing to do with it. What what it is is the Justice Department is the Gestapo, all right? This is right out of World War II, the Nazi playbook. I am, I am almost an authority on history, and I'll tell you something right now. This is right out of the Nuremberg rules and laws set up by the Nazis, and let there be no doubt, this is Gestapo SS tactics, hands down. If you're not patriotic enough to get mad at this, to be just as angry as can be and ready, willing, and able to do something or say something about it, then just go away. I, I don't know what else to say. You know, just go away. That was kind of lame, right? I'm sorry. But, uh, you, you know, I think you get the point, all right? I'm not talking about doing violence because I've never advocated violence. But believe you me, people, believe you me, you know, we've been sold a bill of goods since the, you know, the 2020 elections. They stole it. They, they committed all kinds of crimes and high, high, what they call that under Clinton, high misdemeanors and so forth and so on. And federal laws they broke by the dozens. And nothing, nothing has come of that. Zip, zero, blank. You know, Lady Liberty is blindfolded so that she doesn't see what you look like, whether it be your color or the way you dress or whatever. It represents um, the laws equal for everyone. Hence, the scripture, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That doesn't mean that you gouge somebody's eyes out or pull their teeth out. What it represents and what it means is that under the law, all right, every man or woman or child, whatever the case may be, is allowed the same level and type of representation. To make the point, 
if you were really rich and you had a lot of money, obviously you could afford, you know, a really good attorney, right? But if you're poor, you get a public defender. So the way the law was 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 initiated was that everybody's equal, so everybody gets the equal representation and chance and so forth and so on. None of this is good. They just threw that playbook right out the window with everything else they've thrown out the window. I mean, I, <laughs> I could scream and yell and holler all I want to try to get it through, to try to get you to understand how dangerous right now things are. I'm going to make a point and then I'm going to move on. If they go after a former president like this, and have gone after him for the last X number of years, if they do that to a man of this stature, and I'm not saying anything about Trump personally, I'm saying the position that he represented, right? Well, I still believe he's president because they, they lied and stole, but anyway, that's another story. If they can do this to him, Do you understand that there's no barriers against what they can do to you? So if you are a patriot, a true patriot, and if you are a Christian, a true Christian, you better be quaking in your shoes. Because believe you me, the games have just begun. But this is a game you don't want to play. I'm going to move on. News alert. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. This is, listen to what I'm going to tell you now. Pay attention. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy took the extraordinary and very unusual step of canceling votes for the rest of this week and sent lawmakers home today. Now, there's only a day left in the week, but here's the rest of it. Just three days before the largest ever NATO exercise, which is going to be a simulation of war with Russia, he sends those people home. Now, the public reason given by McCarthy is that it was due to a revolt by 11 members of the House Freedom Caucus, which is true, but they revolted because McCarthy is playing, <laughs> he's playing their game. You see, this all revolves around with this 11 members of the House Freedom Caucus. The reason they're revolting is, you know, McCarthy, I forget how many votes were there before McCarthy finally got Speaker of the House. There were negotiations that went on into the wee hours of the morning, more than once. So deals were struck, right? And shaking hands and so forth. McCarthy hasn't lived up to his promises. And as far as these particular 11 members of this House Freedom Caucus are concerned, they're not going to back them. And they literally grinded proceedings to a halt um, in the protest of the Speaker caving to the Democrats during the uh, debt ceiling negotiations. And in, in their opinion, McCarthy did nothing short of compromise. 
Here's the thing about the whole NATO thing. This not-so-public fact is that NATO's quote-unquote exercise simulating war with Russia starts in about three days. Just imagine for one minute this turns into the real deal. Okay? Just think about that. There's an interesting side note here. All the members of the Senate, under the guise of, well, I'll get to it in a second, they were all given satellite phones, which don't operate like cell phones, you know, necessarily. And the reason was, in case a disruption to U.S. communications occurs. Really? And you're going into war games? I mean, you know, it might just be coincidental, but I don't think and I don't believe the public reason given for the lawmakers being sent home. You understand what I'm saying? This could be the real deal getting ready to happen. This could be a false flag event, such as like an attack on Washington, D.C., and no blame it on the Russians. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. Stay tuned. You know, and I, just, I hate to beat a dead horse, but good God almighty, people, do you understand, I hope, I hope you understand and you see that everything they charge Trump with is what they're doing. I mean, think about it. And I'm going to move on. So Biden is going to host the largest pride celebration in history. Yeah, that's true. And as the economy teeters on the brink of collapse, a whole bunch of these queers and gays and lesbians and so forth, you know, the whole LGBTQ+, plus, why don't they just say alphabet soup group? That kind of rhymed, didn't it? Alpha, alphabet soup group. That's what I'm going to try to remember to call them from now on. So write it down. If I say alphabet soup group, that's what I'm saying. Anyways, you know, and he's also going to push new measures for transgenderism and other progressive ideology. Progressive? Progressive? You call this progress? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. If this is progress, I'd rather go in the other direction. Trust me when I tell you. Right? I don't want any part of this freaking baloney. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah means words I won't say or I can't over the airway here. Anyway. <clears throat> we do have a win for sanity. <clears throat> Excuse me. We can put one in the win column. Texas becomes the largest state to ban child gender change treatments. Hang on, sip a, sip a lemonade. So apparently, um, they blocked or banned gender surgeries and the administration of cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers on subjects under the age of 18. And Republican Governor Abbott signed it in the law on June 2nd. Now, here's the thing. The only, the only way that anything of this nature can be performed or done on someone under the age of 18 is if they go through what they call precocious puberty. 
And I had to look this one up because I'm like, I don't even know that uh, I don't even know how to tell you what that means. So I had to look it up. Precocious, precocious puberty is when a child's body begins changing into that of an adult puberty too soon. When puberty begins before the age of eight in girls and before age nine in boys, that's what's considered precocious puberty. So the treatment for that is allowed. But anything and everything else, no, no, no. So God bless Texas, good for them. This was an interesting article I read because I learned, oh, so many years ago. And when I say many years ago, we're talking probably 30-something years or so. But this was interesting. In June of 2020, get this, the three hosts of a Catholic radio show were talking about the news of the day. Now, this is that EWTN network thing, all right? So <laughs> it's interesting. The comment one of the bishops made was, I think they should go on ride-alongs. A lot of these bishops said, um, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I can't even... Oh, about defunding the police. And the one officer said, I agree there needs to be, I heard the one priest, whatever, be reforms, but they should go on ride-alongs and see what these officers do every single day. I'm in full support of that. And one of them turns around and says, Jesus had 12 apostles, one was Judas. And we focus too much on Judas and not enough on Jesus. The deacon continued, Jesus did not reason we should reform the apostles because of what Judas did. Man, that's a cool argument. Jesus had 12 apostles. One was Judas. And we focus too much on Judas and not enough on Jesus. Jesus did not reason we should reform the apostles because of what Judas did. I like that. So, you know, if you remember a while ago, a while back, I talked a little bit about Andy Stanley. He's the son of Charles Stanley, who just recently passed away. Charles Stanley was an outstanding Baptist minister. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching his sermons or even listening to him on the radio. He had such a voice. Um, it just was, <laughs> you know, when he spoke, it was somebody, you, you know, you just were so calm about everything, just listening to his voice. It just eased you, you know, made you feel relaxed. It was great. His son, not so good. So I want to tell you something. All levels of military have used the teaching on Sun Tzu to warfare and civilizations, have adapted these teachings for use in politics, business, and everyday life. The Art of War is a book, I've read it, which should be used to gain advantage of opponents in the boardroom and battlefield alike. This book is a playbook, like it says here, in the boardroom and battlefield alike. It's the Art of War. Remember the last show I talked about, Divide and Conquer and all that? This book is like, oh, man, unbelievable, unbelievable. Moving on. So Jesus taught that people of the world 
are often more attuned to manipulating others to their best advantage rather than those born-again believers who are only in the world. So it shouldn't surprise us that non-believers can produce clever works, in other words, the art of war. It, I, I, you know, I, and I wrote that and said that because it, it is amazing, amazing. And it was written like centuries ago. And yet it's probably one of the most still relevant you know, books besides the Bible that you could ever read. Moving along, Luke 16, 8, Dr. Luke. I think Luke was his first name, so I don't know what his last name was. Anyways, Luke 16, 8. Luke's gospel is different in the sense of the other three, is different in the sense that he's actually, it's kind of like the book of Acts, too. You could read Luke and then just go right into the book of Acts. Same author, Luke. He's basically answering questions that he had been asked about Jesus and so forth and the and those around him and all that, all that. And he wrote it down. I don't know that Luke traveled with the Lord, to be perfectly honest with you. But he wrote down what he had seen and heard. So if nothing else, Luke was a follower. Anyways, in Luke 16, 8, it says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. So, what do we got to prepare ourselves for? As Christians, preparing for spiritual battle is the key. The days of happy-go-lucky, tiptoe through the tulips, and yada, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Those days are gone, folks. They're gone. It's time to put the armor on and get busy. And I mean get busy. You know, it's an unfortunate truth that worldly people are often more clever with their contemporaries than spiritual people are. That's what that scripture refers to. But this doesn't have to be so for the astute Christian. And it shouldn't be so, because we also have a book that tells us how to wage war in a spiritual sense, a book which is the ultimate authority. Of course, it's the Bible. There's no other book you need to read when it comes to living your life according to Scripture. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> anyway, hang on, more, more iced tea. No, lemonade, sorry. There's never a time, there's never an event, there's never a situation you'll be going through that the Bible doesn't answer for you. That's the um, primary reason I didn't take up a career in psychology. I took it in college. You couldn't fail the final. It was an open book. But still, the point is, when I looked into the career, the Lord spoke plainly to me and said, what is there about your brain that I created I can't? explain. <laughs> Mic drop, <laughs> you know? Anyways, let's move along. Ephesians 6, 12, this is one of my favorite verses because it lays it out as plain as day. For we wrestle, this is Paul, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All these other realm things that Paul is talking about 
is taking place in our time. It always has. Since Adam and Eve, their presence, to, you know, coin, to say it plainly, has always been here. All right? And the scriptures are all we need to be able to do battle against us. In fact, the battle for our souls is obviously the most important battle of all. If you're a believer, without a doubt, you should be studying the art of spiritual war, which comes from the Bible. And our enemy's destructive tactics to achieve victory through the Lord as much as possible. You'll... My phone is making an... Oh, hang on, everybody. Hey, what's going on? Well, I'm back. Sorry. Good friend of the family called. We were supposed to meet up today, so he came over. Anyhow, where was I? I don't even know where I was. I can say this. The spiritual warfare that we're, you know, no, not... Not anything short of this is where it is. This is where it's at. This is how we have to respond to what's going on around us. Same thing with patriots. You know, you, there has to be action. They're taking action illegally, but they're taking action. Why aren't we doing something? You just got to ask yourself that question. Are you going to be a part of the solution or just remain the problem? Anyways, the practicality of the book of Proverbs. I don't know if you've ever read it. Kind of a different book. It's not like the regular prophecies. Hang on, water. Okay, when I'm done. Um, so they're not the normal, it's not the normal kind of prophecy book or story book like that. Anyways... The book itself, it has a tremendously enormous amount of practical wisdom which can be applied to our day-to-day -day combat with the world. And it, you know, it translates secularly and spiritually, you know. So you can get pointers and tips and how-tos and why-fors and so forth and so on. I sent it to you in Messenger chat. All right, hon, thanks. Say hi to everybody. You, you were here. Say hi, everybody. Oh, she left. So, anyways, um, it um, so you can combat. You know, do your do your diligent due diligence to, you know, fight the enemy, and um, it's uh, probably one of my not favorite book, but it's one I enjoy reading, in. A, really for a particular reason of, of calm. For some reason, I get, like Psalms and Proverbs, I get a tremendous sense of calm and peace and everything else. And it just really, I'll tell you, if, if you want to turn to a book instead of something you bought off the shelf someplace by somebody, this is definitely the book you want to be reading. So I'm going to read one proverb from you. It's Proverbs 26, 4 to 5. And it says this, this is, this is, like I said before, you know, words of wisdom. This is truth right here, words of wisdom. It says this, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. 
answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So don't answer him according to his folly. Ask him a question according to his folly and guarantee you you're going to come out on top as far as that goes. So it's often used as a confusing and sometimes a contradictory proverb or scripture, and a lot of Bible-believing Christians feel that way. And that's unfortunate because if you really knew what it was and why, then you would understand its meaning and, and why and so forth and so on. And But I digress. So they haven't determined its proper application in the art of spiritual war. That's the Christian world. I don't see where they don't get it except for, oh, yeah, you're probably not working through the Holy Spirit. You know, you're trying to use your own understanding to get the meaning from it. And that's the key with the Bible. It's not our understanding and so forth. It's what God gives us to understand on his terms. You can get really great insight and protection against the strategy that many believers utilize against unwitting Christians. Divide and conquer. Know their game plan. You're the books they read to get where they are or to, you know, to play out this uh, persecution against us. Both as patriots and Christians. You can't be letting them do that. I'm sick and tired of people just kind of, oh, you know, well, blah, blah, blah. What are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm serious, man. You're all playing the fool if you don't do anything. I'm serious. It's time to get down and get dirty, man. Get your hands into it and get your feet ready to go. Ask yourself, back to the show. That was part of the show, I guess, too, but technically speaking. So who is the fool according to Scripture? Scripture talks about fools, right? There's many interpretations of what foolishness entails among people. Tons of it. You know, one man's one man's uh, definition of a fool is another man's, he's a great guy, I love hanging out with him. But, you know, anyways, if the Bible actually makes an unequivocal declaration as to one worldview that defines a fool, that can be found in the book of Psalms, another book, like I said, just peace, serenity, just, you know, absorbing the goodness and the grace and the mercy of our Lord. In Psalms 14.1, it says this, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So uh, pretty plain for me to say to you, or pretty plain to see, this is obviously talking about, you know, when you turn to yourself and yourself is your own God and that kind of nonsense and foolery, that's exactly, you know, that's how the fool, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Paul says, I don't remember the book or the scripture. Paul talks about the folly of the people that participate in deviant sins and things like that. He says, and then you got people that say, well, I didn't hear, I don't believe because I don't see and whatever. And Paul says, every single day of that person's life, the Holy Spirit has tried to speak to him. And that's the truth. It's not going to be some loud screaming, yelling kind of voice. 
It's going to be very quiet, very calm. And any noise you got going on in your world, you know, in your brain there, drowns it out because you're not listening, you know? So that's what it says in the Bible. And I'm just telling you what the Bible, that's it. You know, obviously, someone declaring God doesn't exist, as crazy as it sounds, that's actually uh, Greek atheists, and it's defined as an atheist. Um, and some atheists have a very high IQ. They're very intelligent. But see, because of that, I think a lot of ways is a, um, a wall in between their being able to reach out to God because they can't get past their own intelligence. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but think about it. You know, when you meet people with a high IQ, they kind of operate on another level. But they definitely don't look to God, not normally. You know, but you can't sometimes, you know, like this uh, marketing rep I knew back in New York. Um, his first name was Mo. Man, he had the deepest voice I ever heard. Anyways, he said one day in response to an event, and he goes, uh, well, you know, you can't polish a fart. And I just stood there shocked because Mo was not, you know, I don't think he'd say the S word with a mouthful, as they say. And when he came out with that one, it, it kind of took me by surprise. And he, he looked at me and smiled and kind of chuckled a little bit and says, never thought you'd hear that coming out of my mouth, did you? And I'm like, yeah, you got that right, Mo. He was just a, a good Christian man. And, you know, just the fact that he said that, it took me by surprise. But let's get back to the show. Let's go to Proverbs 9, verse 10. This is what that says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That's all it takes. You don't have to go to school to learn this stuff. You don't have to be a college grad. You don't have to be any of those things. Think about the people that God calls. Think about that for a second while I take a drink of water. They're not from the elite. Did you ever notice that? They're not. They're everyday common, you know, cowpokes, kind of people, right? I mean, the fisherman thing with Peter, that was not an illustrious job by far. You stunk like fish, right? Your clothes, every, you know. But then you have, you know, those great in wisdom. Jesus said, in fact, he uh, thanked the Father for hiding this understanding from the wise and giving it to the, well, the unwise, to the children, Right? So you see, to learn and to know and to understand, it's this thing called fear. That doesn't mean you have to tr like tremble fear, but when you know your place in God's light or in God's world and his kingdom, you know, sinner destined for hell, and he has the authority to do that, whether you like it or not, that would create fear. So... But that kind of fear can also be turned into wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It's a great adventure. You should take it. And so the Bible says, and it confirms, Hebrews 11, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently Seek him. Huh. 
first of all, you got to believe that he is. You know, can't be one of those wishy-washies. It, it either is or it isn't. God doesn't deal in gray, all right? But he that comes to him, so if you come to the Lord today, repent of your sin and ask Jesus to be your, you know, then you have great reward. Same thing, the fear of the Lord. What do you get? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Faith is the driving force. Jesus says if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, get up from your foundation and, you know, go into the sea. He's making an analogy. A mustard seed is a very, very tiny, tiny seed, you know, and he makes reference to the mustard seed a couple, two, three times because the mustard seed, even as small as it is, grows into a very large tree. So you see in that respect too, something as small as a mustard seed has the potential to become a great tree. So the faith that you have, even though you may think it's not enough, it is enough. Keep moving forward and it will become more uh, of its own accord. Don't look at other people. Don't say, oh, I wish I could be like that. And this and I spent a lot of time in that world and you don't get anything done. You know, you're just always, you're, you're going to end up like that daggone um, a hamster in the wheel, you know, just spinning round and round, but they're not going anywhere. No place, you know, that's it. Yeah, I want to do a little funny for you real quick before we move on. I saw this on the internet today, and I thought it was great. It says, today is the oldest that you have ever been and the youngest you will ever be. So enjoy while you can. Isn't that awesome? I thought that was so cool. Big sense. Second Corinthians 5, a lot of scriptures today, huh? We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So Paul's saying that the Corinthians would know no doubt, no, you know, I'm not sure kind of thing. He says we're confident, confident that when we die, we are immediately going into the presence of the Lord or burning in hell. So I guess if you die and you start feeling real hot, it's not good. Anyways, and then, you know, of course, when we pass from this world as Christians, all our pain and suffering is over, all of it. Now, I want to talk to you about a little something. This is just something I threw in here. It's, it, it's not like a, a official, but it, it's in here. And the reason I put it in here was because of a news story about um, a religious conference. And it says the occult New World Order. Now, some of you may say, what right do I have to speak so authoritatively if that's the case about the occult and so forth? I'm going to tell you a little something about myself. And this is not something I'm proud of, but I'm going to tell you. I've danced with the devil in his firelight, and I've looked him in the eye. And I knew that there was no goodness there whatsoever. And I knew, because I could feel it, that there was a level or a, a volume of evil 
like you never experienced before. Searing, searing, searing hatred. Because I lived in this world at the time of decadent sin in many ways. And I am not proud of what I did, but I learned quite a lot. And, you know, sometimes that's the best way to learn something, right, is by experience. I'm not, trust me when I tell you, I'm not going, I'm not telling you to go out and experience this. You know, it, it, at the time, it was a grand life. You know, things couldn't have been better. But it was all sin. I mean sin. And the occult thing in particular, is the point here, was part of where I went and part of what I uh, participated in. I always stood on the peripheral, but I was always there, you know, kind of thing. I think I had like a self, <laughs> a, a self-destruct barrier, you know. I, I would go just so far, and thank God, I knew enough to go, okay, that's as far as I go, you know. But far I went regardless. And I just want to, after saying that, I just want to warn y'all. I'm telling you, man, you're, you know, you're playing with fire, as they say. You are playing with a fire, and you are playing with eternal fire. When you meet the demons and so forth that are on the other side, you can't imagine, you can only imagine the level of hatred they have. And you know, interesting thing I thought one day, about that level of hatred. These individuals sinned not only against heaven, but against the Holy of Holies, you know, the Lord God himself. And their sentence is uh, irreversible. You know, they're sentenced to doom for the rest of their existence, which is eternity. They don't have any Recourse. In other words, they can't get saved. They can't be born again. None of that. That is out of the question. Don't even ask. We are the only people that are allowed that option. The human race, God's creation, in his image. We're the only ones that can humble ourselves and get down on our knees and say, Lord God, you know, forgive me my sin. Have mercy on me, O Lord. I am a sinner. And, and name your sins. I always make sure I also name my heart, my tongue, and my mind. You know? And then I always pray for the forgiveness of those who sin against me. I have no enemies. I mean, I do, but you, you understand? I have no enemies. I sleep good at night. Well, except for the pain in my foot. But, yep, nothing keeps me awake like having to worry about being in some of these crosshairs. But if you're not ready to make that decision, then you're chancing it. And that's a chance I would never even know. Thank you, no. You know, when I became a Christian, I kind of did it with the understanding or, you know, of my own understanding. He didn't say this at all. But, you know, well, what the heck? I'll give it a try. If it don't work, you know, I can always go back to being a Catholic. Well, man, it worked in ways I never imagined. So out of that life, I came. I was delivered. 
by life circumstances. <clears throat> and I stood at death's door several times, the whole nine yards. So when I talk about these things, it's not only because I read it or something and I want to report on it, but I was there. I was in the middle of it. So I'll move on from there. So we have the occult New World Order. And the reason I wrote this article was because there are certain events that I read about a long time ago that are very pertinent to what's going on today. I know personally, I've spoken to him on the phone several times, um, and he's very willing to chat with you just like anybody, you know, like you were friends forever. You almost at the end of the conversation want to go, hey, let's go out for a cup of coffee, you know. Anyways, because he lives uh, in South Carolina. Anyways, um, I read an article that he had on his website. And I didn't jump on it like right away, like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Because the first thing I do is I bet people. This individual was, and I, you know, the mad truth, he was a warlock witch. He was like as deep in the witchcraft as you could get. And he was a male, so they're called warlocks. And he did some stuff for the United States Army that you see movies about. It's real. Like Men Who Stare at Goats. You ever see that movie? Look it up. That's a true story. He was involved with that. And other things. So this man was delivered from witchcraft, became a Christian. Interestingly, he was, to many of his friends, still considered a witch because they didn't believe he really converted. And then the other group <laughs> didn't know that he had converted. And I tell you that because... This information I got was because of one of those individuals who was invited to a meeting and it wasn't anything public about it, so it was like a secret meeting. It wasn't necessarily a secret society, but it was a secret meeting. And this individual, because um, he was, of course, a participant in that for you know decades, he still got invited. So he, he's thinking, well, wow, it's going to be great. I'm going to go listen to what they have to say, all the satanic stuff and blah, blah, blah. But being a Christian, I'm going to be able to decipher it into, you know, how it fits. So that's what happened. Now, I've had over the years many questions about the final stages. I'm doing a show. What are you doing? Nothing. Okay. Give me a hug and kiss. You going to bed? No. Okay. I love you anyways. All right. I'll be done in a few minutes, okay? okay? All right, buddy. I love you, man. All right, bud. That's my grandson, six years old. He's such a joy. Six years old at our age is not such a joy. But anyways, I digress. So this is about the house of theosophy. The, okay, hang on. Theosophy. T-H-E-O-S-O-P-H-Y. Now, one time when I looked up on the internet, it was like, no, there's no such thing. I mean, nothing, zip, zero. Then they finally came out in the open. It's always, 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 this quote-unquote house of theosophy has always been a major player since um, 1875 when uh, Madame 
Blavatsky founded it. Hang on just a second. Drink of water. Now, a lot of people, because of my penchant for prophecy and, and whatever else, have, um, they asked me many questions about the final stages of the world events that we see. And I talk about, you know, these events that are part of prophecy and, and, and they're taking place in, right in front of us. And so, you know, questions about the world events leading up to the final establishment of the new world order. And it's, quote-unquote, divine man, the Christ. That's what they call him, all right? So they definitely believe that an individual is going to rise and be the divine man, the Christ. This is serious. This is not, like, it's not an offshoot branch of some, you know, cult. This is serious stuff, okay? I mean, as serious as it gets. Now, in the Bible, this divine man... The Christians call him Antichrist. According to other scriptures, he's the son of perdition or the man of sin. Here's what I learned many years ago. A religious conference will be headed by what they, they determine is the false prophet. And do you know who they named as the false prophet? The Pope. Now, when I read further about that, it's kind of like a technicality, all right? Who's ever pope, when things get to a certain stage, that'll be the false prophet, all right? Now, if you know this, the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, prophecies of Malachi, according to his prophecies, this is the final pope. So this pope, according to the house of Theosophy, Theosophy and others, this guy, he's it. Now, it's interesting because this conference is going to be a political conference headed by the Pope. Get this, all right? What's that tell you? And it will be chaired by one person who's the equal rank with the Pope, false prophet, and this so this supposed Christ. Now, when three religious comp three religious conferences and the three political business conferences are simultaneously held, stay focused, a grand merger of all forces will occur worldwide. And they will have the absolute authority and ability to move the world in any direction they so desire. It's a lot like what's happening right now. Then, and only then, is when they say it'll be possible to build a combination, see, this is key, listen now, a combination temple-church-mosque in Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is ground zero for the end times. So if you're not staying focused in the Middle East and what's going on in your studies, get started. Let's look at something Jesus had to say in Matthew 21. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple. 
and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said to them, here it is now, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. This house of prayer thing is this kumbaya moment, you know, all happy and celebratory, <laughs> and they're, they're, they're steeped in sin, but <laughs> not to them. But anyways, this unified, or this idea of a unified um, religion and the ability of it, not of itself, but overall, to control the politics of it is a major, major, major shift. So, you know, you look at this conference they're talking about, this is bigger than like the Bilderbergs and everything like that because this deals deals specifically with Jerusalem, all right? So, the, the okay, hang on, take two. The specific part of the New World Order plan called the New Jerusalem Covenant Project, it does, in fact, envision the establishment of a combination religious Jerusalem incorporating Islam, Christianity, and Judaism all together. Now, the important thing about the Pope or the false prophet being involved, the false prophet representing the, um, the religion of the New World Order, so he would have to be, it would necessitate him being in this meeting, okay? Because any purely political settlement in the Middle East would not, by itself, bring peace. And we've seen that. How many administrations have reached out to the, the Jews and the Palestinians and the Arabs and whatever, and they spend a ton of time and everything traveling back and forth trying to come up with an agreement so there will be peace. Never happens. So in other words, a purely political settlement it would leave the religious nature of the problem unsolved. Any permanent solution um, to the conflict would also have to see the religious portion of the problem solved. That's, that's the binder here. Because the drive behind both Jews and um, Arabs is their religion. Once the religious problem is solved, listen, the power and influence of the Orthodox Jews in Israel would permanently decline because now this other group has taken control. The preparation for the world order religion has basically been paved and, and um, driven by what they call the ecumenical movement. All right? And this movement, if you haven't thought about it before, Trust me when I tell you, this is this is 100%. You can bet anything on this, and, and I can prove it, or you can look it up, and it'll prove itself. This movement, this ecumenical movement, is being spearheaded by none other than the Pope. All right? Now, I want to take a note. New World Order planners are very concerned about the power and influence of the Orthodox Jews. If you don't know the Orthodox Jews, what that represents, they're hardcore, like conservative Christian, real hardcore. 
these guys are real hardcore Orthodox or, you know, in their Judaism. They, you know, there's no question about it. So anyways, they're the special target of the Antichrist. They have to be. Because they got to be broken down and done away with. And the Antichrist will lead that with the false prophet, a.k.a. the Pope. He's going to go about convincing them that he's their Messiah. Now, it's interesting to note that Jesus said, you won't see me again until you learn to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This guy is going to come in his own name and proclaim himself to be Lord. Jesus blamed the Jews for that buku times. So this individual, through his authority, is then going to be able to persecute and go after the Jew most ferociously. Wielding forces hitherto, since before now, or up till now, unfamiliar to our planet are the unseen driving force. I've spoken about the unseen realm many times. They are the ones doing this. It's like when you're on stage, you know, doing an opera, or not an opera, a stage presentation, say Shakespeare, and people are off the stage to your left and right. You can see them, and they're sending you signals. That <laughs> might not have been a good example, but regardless of my example... <laughs> These are, without a doubt, great forces. And they're just waiting for the hour, the day, and the minute when God totally takes away his restrictions. It'll be the moment in history when, without a doubt, the remnant of mankind is going to burn in hell. But they're going to come not right away with you know, hell and brimstone, hell, hell and brimstone fire, they're going to come as liberators and deliverers of mankind. Kind of like these people talk now. Oh, we got the answer. We got it all settled and so forth and so on. And, you know, it turns out to be a crap pie in the end. So that kind of, you know, but they're going to be, because mankind's going to be void of God, they're going to believe him. They're going to believe him. And, you know, the other thing is the UFO and aliens. Definitely part of the New World Order. They're benevolent beings which will aid mankind in attaining the goal of becoming one humanity. Ooh, yeah. That's like the ecumenical movie, one or movement, one religion, right? And they're going to appear, listen to this now, at the proper time so they won't come before their time. And they're going to supposedly help mankind. What's up? He wants me to lay down with him. So. All right, hon. Love you. Whew, stinky in here. <laughs> yeah, but it works. <laughs> love you. Okay, the cat's out. Okay. Um, so they're, they're a big part of this. All right? They're going to, quote, unquote, help attain the goal of becoming this one humanity. They'll appear at the proper time. And then it's going to be a quantum leap of collective consciousness. What a crock of frickin' Huey. Trust me when I tell you. 
But that's the garbage I was involved with. Man, I could tell you things. <laughs> you think you're tough? You got nothing on me, brother. Nothing on me. So, in the end, the only thing really to do, as I've said so many times, is read your Bible and pray. Get a, get a Bible. Get a King James Bible. Don't get these other translations. Get a King James Bible. And you know what? It's going to take a little, it's a learning curve. But trust me when I tell you, when you make the effort to figure out what those words mean, the these, the vowels, and all that, it's just as easy as reading English. It really is. So, you know, get on it. Because it's got to be done. Your, your eternity, your soul is at stake here. You, why would you chance that? Why would you? Why? Just tell me why. I hope you're ready. I hope that we're all ready. You know, you can say that sitting in the chair. Oh, I'm ready. You know, yeah, but nothing's happened. Right? Not to you, not to me, not to a lot of us. Nothing's happened yet. You know, we're still kind of coasting along under normal. <laughs> but that can change in an instant. And are you ready for that? Are you ready when they come knocking on your door? What are you going to say? Do you know they have no legal right to do that? Most people don't. And they end up getting put in shackles or giving up, you know, their firearms, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, this nonsense with Trump, like I said in the beginning of the show, if they can do that to him... Trust me, please. They they can do more than that to you. Anyways, I'm going to let you go. I got to go. I'm over an hour. My good friend's going to shoot me. He'll have to work out longer. God bless everybody. I love you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.